This is episode number 164 with Dr. Dan Margolin. Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. In each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. As always, this is your host, Jared Warren, and I'm super fired up this week. This week has been really productive There's been a lot of great things going on in my financial advising practice, but also on the Success 101 podcast, including my book, guys. This thing has been a game changer for some of you out there. I love the comments you guys are sending in to me. Please keep doing that. It's what lets me know what you guys are thriving off of out there and how the book is helping you guys create a bigger vision week after week. Many of you know out there that my book is being offered right now for free. All that I'm asking if you're in the U.S. is to cover the shipping on that. If you're not in the U.S., then you can buy the ebook version, which with the discount on the paperback that cuts it down to just the shipping cost, the ebook is only a couple of dollars more. So if you're international, the ebook version is your option. If you're here in the United States, you can get the ebook version or the paperback. But the paperback is what's being offered for only the shipping cost right now. I believe my team's got it set up for $5.99 on our website. I wanted to get this in as many hands as I could as you guys walk through the six vision building strategies and the five components for creating that overall strategy. And I cannot wait to get this book out into more of your hands. Just head over to success101podcast.com forward slash the dash book. And at the promo code, don't forget to put in success101 as your promo or coupon code. Our team will get that right out to you guys for just the shipping cost. And I want you to have it in your hands to walk through because I'm doing a breakdown, a section by section breakdown on a lot of the live episodes that I'm going through right now. And so many people had requested that that I thought, why not just offer it for the shipping so I can get it out to as many hands as I possibly can. So go grab your version today at success101podcast.com forward slash the dash book. And we will get one of those on a rush shipment right out to you guys. Now for our sponsor, today's episode is being brought to you guys by the Human Charger, the incredible device that you guys know I've raved about for so many episodes now, the sun in your pocket which gives your brain the same sensation as staring at the sun, but you don't have to lose your eyesight doing so. Pop in the amazing LED earbuds, which is a super bright white with blue infused light. Again, the same spectrum as the sun that resets your circadian rhythms, that keeps you from pounding caffeine all day, that gives you a jump start during that 2.30 p.m. crash, and even helps you sleep better at night as a result of all of that. I've teamed up with the guys over at Valky to give you guys 20% off. So head over to success101podcast.com forward slash human charger. And at the checkout section, enter success101 in the promo code to snag your 20% off of this amazing device. And I've been getting a lot of comments from listeners lately who know that I love reading things. And the question is, what are you reading now? What are you going through? I've mentioned many of these books on other podcast episodes if you're a faithful listener, but for some of you, who haven't heard these books, or it's been a little while since you've heard about them, I'm reading Mark Devine's books, Unbeatable Mind and The Way of the Seal. I'm going through my second pass-through on both of those books right now. And then one of my new favorite books, Call an Audible, 
by Darren Roberts. Just an awesome story of how he took his fast track toward Harvard Law School and turned it around to where he said, look, I want to go be an NFL coach. Set his mind to that, and he did. And he's accomplished a lot of other things along the way. Also, you guys may have heard me mention Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Awesome book about vulnerability for guys especially. Many times vulnerability is not a book that we want to read about. But a big theme in that book is how she talks about vulnerability in our lives actually is a position of great strength and not weakness, as many of us think that it is. I'm also going through the Headstrong book by Dave Asprey. I got it on audiobook. I thought I'd heard pretty much everything that Dave had to say, and I was blown away by this book at how much knowledge is in there about your mitochondria and about how to make your brain work more efficiently day in and day out. I was so blown away by it that I got my wife the hard copy version, and I snagged it last night and just started highlighting all through there as I listened to the audiobook version there's just so many lists and so many bullet points in that book that it's hard to pick up on in the audiobook. So I'm glad I got the hard copy version as well. And I'm highlighting that. It's actually my third pass through that I'm going through on that book because there's just so much information to snag. And then lastly, just this morning, I downloaded a book called What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney. Really excited about this book. It's how freezing water, extreme altitude, and environmental conditioning will renew our lost evolutionary strength. Really just diving into a lot of the biohacks that we can do out there in order to get our brains and our bodies back to a stronger state by stretching and testing ourselves, maybe like we've never done before. Scott actually went out to interview Wim Hof. For those of you guys who know Wim Hof, many of you have written in about his breathing techniques. He actually flew out to prove Wim Hof wrong and ended up becoming a huge believer in the process of how freezing temperatures and breath control can really change so much about our bodies. So I'm really excited about that book. I'm about a chapter in right now, and it's been everything I thought it would be so far. Again, it's called What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney. Now, on to our incredible show today with Dr. Dan Marglin. Dan is a practicing podiatrist with over 27 years of experience, and his practice now ranks in the top 3% in the country. Dan's current practice is his second run at owning a business and incredibly profitable compared to the first business that he ran. We'll dive into that during our episode today. Dan also started another business focused on helping other business owners train their staff toward peak performance and increase their bottom line by massive scale. In our episode today, we talk about Dan's practice and how he elevated it to one of the top 3% of practices in the nation. We're going to talk about his book, Fast Track Prosperity, also talk about how he's teaching people to move past what they accomplish and on into new ventures that they've never been in, a little bit of outside the box thinking there, and to piggyback off of his book, Fast Track Prosperity, we're going to be talking about how he helps business owners grow today through that Fast Track Prosperity model, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. So without any further delay, let's jump right into my conversation with Dr. Dan Margolin. Hey, Dan Margolin, welcome to the Success 101 podcast. How are things in New Jersey today? Jared, thank you so much for having me. Things are great. A little bit cold, but otherwise very good. Well, I'm so excited to have you here for the listeners. And your story, which has a lot of energy behind it, and really something that I am very passionate about, even at my age right now, which is not getting into what I would just say is burnout or loss of passion or just getting out to older ages or seeing that vision of getting out to older ages at any age that the listeners are today and realizing that you've either wasted a lot of time where you could have been pursuing your passions in a different way 
or just kind of get out in the future and realize that, hey, there's just not a lot left for me to do when really there's a lot of life left to live. And I know that's one of the things that you do well is helping to create prosperity for people at different stages and really go wide, as Grant Cardone talks about, and just pursuing passions on a lot of different levels. So before we dive into all of that that I'm so excited about, and I think you've got a great message that you can share with our listeners today, why don't you take us all the way back? You know, I don't really, I didn't know who all the guests were going to be when I started this podcast that I would have on, but I certainly didn't think that I was going to have a podiatrist on my podcast one day <laughs> talking about entrepreneurial things and pursuing your passion. So this is certainly one that I'm eager to get the message out for, but take us all the way back and tell us, number one, how you started off your first business, your primary business in the podiatry world, but then really what you're starting to do now. And we'll just dive deep into all of your new ventures as well. Sure, absolutely. And it is, it's always interesting. Like people get sort of taken back when they hear that I'm a podiatrist and I'm doing all these things. I have a consulting company, but it wasn't always like that. You know, I grew up as a kid in New York City. Uh, both my parents were school teachers. There were no doctors in the family. And I just had the assumption, honestly, that, that you know, you studied to become a doctor. Once you became a doctor, you put out your shingle and life was good after that. You get to help a lot of people. You made a lot of money. And unfortunately, when I started 30 years ago, I just caught the beginning portion of the spike in the student loans, you know, like how expensive it was. And right. I paid for everything. So by the time I got out of podiatry school, I had close to $200,000 in student loan debt and also business debt at 16% interest back then. Jared, I don't <laughs> know if you remember that, man. That was crazy. Well, just being a financial advisor, I hear more of those stories from my clients that are your age versus me living through them. And I guess I'm very grateful for that. But who knows? It could go back there at some point, you know, I, nowadays time. I mean, it was good if you were saving it. It wasn't good if you were on the other end of it, you know? Yeah, so uh, again, my perception is I'm going to open up and things are going to go great. And I do that. I take out the loans. I do whatever you're supposed to do. And so, Jared, so somebody put the kibosh on me right when I started. And, and I trained at Beth Israel Hospital, which is a good hospital. The last day of my residency, the director took me out to dinner and he said two things for me. He said, listen, don't market or promote yourself. Just do really good work and it will speak for itself. Okay, don't embarrass Beth Israel Hospital. So that was one thing. And two, he said, you know, get, and this is going to sound strange, but for podiatrists, nursing homes are a big thing. He said, you know, get some nursing homes and no matter how busy you get, you always do those nursing homes as your bread and butter. So I said, yes, sir, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so anyway, start the practice. I don't market, I don't promote at all because, you know, I've got his stable concept in my right. head. You know, and sometimes in life you get false data, false information, and you run off that and you never have anything to compare it to. So anyway, so five years goes down and, and I go through my first business loan, take out a second business loan, and uh, I'm about, you know, three to four months away from going out of business. So I actually, I, I remember the amount I had. $15,500 left in my bank account. And I called a friend of mine, his name was Peter. He was also a podiatrist, 20 minutes away from me. Same, basic, same economic area. You know, I figured he's gotta be doing horribly as well. You know, I figured we'll go out and get drunk and misery <laughs> loves company and all that, you know? <laughs> but uh, he shocked me and he said, Dan, I'm doing great. And I said, come on, Pete, there's no way. And he said, come to my office. So I went to his office and it was shocking. I, you know, I saw statistics and organization and a teamwork and people were smiling, you know, not like my staff, you know, it was, it was like, what the hell is going on? What did you put in their water? You know? And I said, how did you learn how to do this, Pete? And he had gone out, he had taken a class in California and you know, how sometimes God puts you right at that end before he gives you the 
opens the oh, door, yeah. right, Jared? And to go to this course for one week, now I got $15,500 left. It was $15,000 exactly. <laughs> so I pulled the plug, man. I, I know it, it definitely wasn't as easy a decision. At that time, I was up at night crying, whatever the hell I went through. But I did it. And I, I went out to California. And I came back really a different person, you know, because I had been given a knowledge of how to run a business. I mean, I, as the years went on, I became much more uh, educated in it. But at the time, it was enough to save myself. And that is exactly what I did. I came back and I actually turned things around. And it was shocking. And I'll tell you a couple of things that I, I recognized. When I came out of school and I became that doctor and I opened that practice, I thought I knew everything. I literally thought, man, I'm a doctor and I know everything. I'm not going to read another book. I can make this happen. And I tell you, going out to California was a humbling experience because I learned how much I didn't know. And sometimes the biggest stop that people have, and I see this, you know, I wrote the book, Fast Tracking Your Prosperity for my daughter, about things people have done right and things people have done wrong. And the worst mistake that you can make in life is to stop learning and to think that you knew it all. And so that was one of the very first sort of slap in the faces that hit me and it changed my entire viewpoint. So Dan, I've got to ask you here, let's back up for one second, because I think it's easy to hear people's stories, especially in today's time where we've got social media, we've got TED Talks, we've got uh, Facebook Live, we've got all this stuff where people are sharing their stories, right? And it's so easy to hear where people say, I had to do the hard thing. I had to do the thing that took guts. I had to do the thing that I had no idea where it was going to land me, but I had to do it. In today's time, it's really easy sometimes, I believe, for people to just gloss over that and not stop and marinate on why that person made that decision or what really caused them to do that. So I want to pause on that for one second, because I think there's a lot of learning in that. Were you married at that time or were you single whenever you uh, spent the 15000 to go out there, almost your entire savings? You know, the blessing was, and I love my wife, but I was not married. So it was me that pulled the plug. But I'm going to just tell you how difficult a decision this was. I was flying out. Now, you got to think, I gave my last money to this company. I did not know much about it. I'm on an airplane flying out to California. And I'm thinking about what the hell I just did, right? I, I spent all these years studying. I'm potentially going broke. And the other thing, Jared, is you cannot go bankrupt. Not that I'd want to go bankrupt, but you can't go bankrupt on your student loans. So I'm like, how am I getting out of it? And I start crying on the plane. Wow. Okay, I, I just literally just start bawling. And there's an old lady sitting next to me. And she looks at me and she goes, son, are you okay? And thank God the movie <laughs> Ghost was playing because I said, that movie always gets me. So that was my uh, out <laughs> nice. for that. <laughs> nice. Well, and like you said, you love your wife. And, and But I'm just thinking like, okay, I love my wife. I love my daughters. But if I'm going through something like you did, Heck of a lot easier to do when you don't have, as the man of the home, responsibilities and things like that to take care of. I almost wonder, and there's probably a lot of people out there that have gone through this and experienced this, where something like that came up and it just, it wasn't even an option. It wasn't an issue of money. It was more of an issue or so much as it was, I've got somebody relying on me, depending on me. I just almost wonder if you would have even made that choice, that tough choice, if you had been married or had your daughter in the picture at that time. What do you think it was that really propelled you, 15500 in the bank, what do you think it was that propelled you to say, of all the things that I could do right now, I'm going to do that versus, oh man, that's crazy, I better go find some other solution? You know, Jared, honestly, looking at a problem for five years, and like I said, really, uh, just being straight with you, I was probably like that last month before that when I had no solution, and I was calling Pete, I was probably drunk every night because I couldn't figure it out, you know what I mean? So... When you're saying like, what other options did you have? I actually didn't have, I was out of bullets, man. I, I was like, that was it. So really, whether I was married or not, I probably would have pulled the trigger because 
what was I going to do? It yeah. was like, it was, for me, it was the end of the road. You know what I mean? And, and it was looking pretty glim. So I would have done it. I so so you had it. to get to the breaking point. And for all of us, we have our rock bottoms, whatever that is. Some rock bottoms may be very different and are very different than other people. But I think, and I talk to people about this all the time in the financial planning world, which is planning and saving. Anybody that has a brain typically would say, or a good head on their shoulders, typically would say that saving and being mindful of planning is important. Right. I mean, we would all agree with that. Sure. But how many people, especially at different stages of life, say that it's urgent? That was an urgency for you. That right. had become an urgency for you. And you had to get to that point to act on it. And I'm sure part of your message, I'd love to hear from you. I'm sure part of your message is just to almost plead with people when you see them, you know, really not taking opportunities is to almost say, act on it now before it becomes urgent. Absolutely. Listen, that's that's, you know, honestly, like when you look at business, I mean, they're I can go over things that I learned and all that, but one of the key things is that I run everything on statistics now. So I look at trends and I'm looking at 13 week trends, right? If you came into my office, there's 27 different graphs that I look at once a week I go in and I look at the trend. Now, why am I doing that? I know because most people, when they look at their business, what they do is they don't jump or do any action until they're out of money, right? The bank account is screaming like, hey, you're not paying your bills. Then all of a sudden they jump up call the accountant or whatever. But I want to know before we're headed towards an emergency, at least months before, so I can make those adjustments because I do it this way and it's a lot more fun than when you really have that gun to your head. And for me, just having been in that situation, I promised myself I would never do that again. And it's the same with my clients. I mean, usually when they're coming to me, I'll just be very straight for you. The majority of them are at their end of their rope. And it's very, I don't know if you see this yourself in your field, but when somebody comes to a consultant for business, usually it's not because they're doing so great and they just want to do a little bit greater. Sometimes it is. The majority of the times, though, it's there's somebody's got a gun to their head and they've got to pull this thing off and they're just praying that you can do it. And I always listen to one of the first things I tell them is, look, we'll get you out of this. There's no question about it. But you've got to change certain habits. One, you've got to stop procrastinating. Do you know what I mean? That's usually what these people do. They're, they're sitting there. Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? You know? you got to get very fast at making decisions. you got to eliminate every single maybe from your life, okay? Because here's the thing. The things that destroy most uh, executives are maybes. You know, they sit there and they go, maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't do this. Look, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you, got, you don't have the information to make that correct decision. But once you do, you've got to get quick at making that decision. And this way, when you get fast like that, what happens is even if you screw up and you make a bad decision, you're so fast that you can correct it very quickly. And so anyway, these are just some of the things that we really, really teach Yeah, I've, I've heard that before, that maybe is one of the just absolute killers of executives and success out there because maybe just does not work in today's business world. So let's take a step back here, Dan, because I'm sure our listeners who don't know, I know a little bit about your story and I intentionally do that before I have people on the podcast because like I mentioned to you, I want to have that curiosity a little bit like I am right now. So I want to dive back or take a step back here for a second. People heard us talk about your podiatry sure. business. People heard us talk about you having 15500 in the bank, going and spending almost all of it to go out to this class. Fill us in on what happened next to get you to, you know, the fast tracking your prosperity that you wrote for your daughter and how you've mentioned a couple of times here that you're helping your clients. Take us back and fill in the blanks there on what spawned from that class, where that took you, and then out of the world of podiatry to what you're doing today. Sure. So you got to think of this. I get back from this class, right? And I'm like, okay, I've got this sort of knowledge, this concept, and I have a consultant now 
that I can speak with. But I also only have $500 left in the bank account to save myself. So I get back and I say to the consultant, all right, what do we do? Like, how do I save myself here? And he said, well, the first thing, let's look at what you have. Like, what are the things that you have at your touch? And one of the things I had in terms of marketing was a patient base. You know, I had however many hundreds or thousands of patients. He said, let's do this. It's not going to cost us to start calling back all the patients that, you know, you see how they're doing. So I said, hey, that's a great idea. And I said, look, I'm going to get my office manager and I will start doing that. So I go over to the office manager and I said, I think her name was Barbara or something. I go, Barbara, so here's what I want to do. I just spoke to the consultant and we're going to start calling and she stops me. Okay, now, Jared, she'd been walking around for months with this thing of files under her arm, okay? And it was like maybe 30 files. And she said, do you see how busy I am? I don't have time for that. And I said, I'm sorry, Barbara, you, you know, you're right. You're so busy because she was always running around. So I call back the consultant and I said, hey, listen, here's the problem. You know, I'd love to start calling with her, but she's so busy. And he stops and he said, Dan, how many patients a week do you see? And I said, I don't know, maybe about 40. And he said, well, how many hours are you working? I said, about 60. And he said, how many staff do you have? I said, well, I have the office manager and a medical assistant. He said, I want you to think about this. There's three of you. You see 40 people a week. You work 60 hours a week. He goes, the way I look at it, you have enough time to pick the person up from their house, drive them to the office, treat them, drive them home, and maybe cook them dinner. <laughs> right. Right? And, and I, I never looked at it like that. What I was doing was just wasting a lot of time. And, but it hit me. It just hit me right between the eyes. And I went, son of a gun. And he said, look, here's what I want you to do. He said, tomorrow, he goes, I want you to cancel out whatever patients you have for the morning. And I want you to catch this lady up on all of her paperwork. I want you to see what she's actually doing. And now, Jared, this was an eye-opening experience, okay? So she comes in the next morning, and I said, hey, Barbara, great news. You know, I'm going to help catch up on all the work that you have. And again, she's got these files under her arm, and she goes, Dan, I don't have time for your jokes. Okay, now this is how she's actually talking to me, right? Not anymore. Nobody talks to me like that anymore. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? At the time, I was like, but I started to really become into myself, I guess. And I said, sit down, and let's start. And so about two and a half hours later, we finished that pile of files that she had walked around with for months. And I said, okay, Barbara, go, go get the other files. Go get the other piles. And she said, that's it. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, that's it. I said, well, you've been walking around for months. Anyway, I fired her on the wow. spot. And it taught, but it was part of the lesson. I realized that as a business owner, you've got to know more about the business than the people under Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And so, you know, and so what happened for me at that point, it just changed everything again. And I, I became consumed with learning everything about the practice. And I really took the practice to the next level. And I ended up becoming chief of surgery at St. Peter's Hospital in New Brunswick. I had associates and all that. And, you know, I did great. And actually, I reached the point where I paid off all my debts and I, all the student loans were done and I bought a house and all that. And then I got bored. You know, then I, it sounds crazy because, you know, you go through all this and this is over the course of another 10, 12, 13 years, something like that. And by the way, I don't know if we ever identified what the actual class was that you, friend, suggested that you go to. Yes, the management technology I, I was taught was called the Hubbard Management Technology, and the company was called Sterling Management. It was in, uh, I don't remember where in California it was, but I was out there for a week, and when I came back, I worked with them a little bit after that, and what I ended up doing was just studying after that everything I could ever study and starting my own consulting company ultimately. And so your main goal of going out there to that class and spending the 15000 was basically to become more sharpened in the field you were already in, not necessarily branch out in anything new at that point. 
Jared, I wish to survive, man. I just wanted to pay my bills and learn how right. to live a little bit of a better life. But what happened is like anything, you know, you start winning and you know what? After a while, you forget what it took, you know, when you start to get complacent. And uh, it's one of the things I write about in my book also, where, where sometimes when you win the game, the trick is create a bigger game for yourself right from where you are. You know, a lot of people do what I exactly do is they crash the game they're playing to replay it. And I'll just explain that a little more. So what I ended up doing was I sold, at, at some point I just got bored, sold a practice and bought a consulting company, you know? And I said, because I just really fell in love with helping other, I love treating patients and stuff, but I fell more in love with helping other entrepreneurs and stuff. And uh, this is in the year about 2000. And by 2001 and a half, a crazy thing happened to me. I realized that I was a podiatrist and I missed the hell out of it. And it was really a humbling kind of moment because, you know, here I sort of had almost cursed it the last several years because I was so bored of it. And to look back and say, wait a second, I sold everything I had, you know, and what am I going to do, start over again? And it is exactly what I did. I actually started over from scratch while starting up the consulting company as well. But I want to go back to one thing. You know, I told you about the, when I finished Beth Israel, the residency director told me, you know, don't market, don't promote yourself. When I took the class that I was telling you about, another thing they said to me is they defined public relations for me, okay? And they said, there's a definition of inadequate public relations, and that is good deeds that speak for themselves. In other words, you do really good work and you let it speak for itself is the definition of inadequate public relations, okay? The definition of adequate public relations is good deeds well publicized. In other words, you do really good work and you tell a lot of people. Now, so that was one thing that stopped me in my tracks that this other doctor had told me. The other thing that he had told me was just do nursing homes always. And Jared, what had happened for me is the nursing homes was the part of the practice that I just didn't like doing. But because his concept of never let it go was there, I just could never let it go until I sold everything. And once I was out of it, and I really had to sit down and say, why did I let everything go? Like, why did I let that, you know, why did I sell everything? Especially now that I want to get back into it. And I had to realize that that false information that he had given me about always keep the nursing homes was the thing that actually had me sell it. And so I just decided when I do start this next practice up again, I'm never going to do nursing homes again. Maybe I'll hire people to do it. And, you know, the other part was I just said, I'm never going back to it full time. It's always going to be run really through systems and like a machine. And that was really, you know, I, I just did what I taught other people to do. There are so many layers here. I'm just, I'm taking notes as you're going through this, trying to track in your timeline. I mean, for one thing, all the way back to the beginning of our podcast here, just being out of money and having the courage to go do what you were doing just to survive. There's some people that even when they hit the breaking point, they... Yep. They won't spend that kind of money. I mean, to be honest, they'll go find something new that might move the needle a little bit, but it's not going to turn them around. The other thing you said is never stop learning. I mean, that's such great advice that we can take. And most people hear that and we'll just gloss over it. But the whole idea about the inadequate PR versus the adequate, I've never heard that before. Good deeds that speak for themselves. I think most people would think that that's pretty good PR. You don't have to say anything about yourself because your deeds speak for themselves. I mean, isn't that what we're taught growing up? But what you're saying is the adequate PR is actually good deeds well publicized. And, you know, the mentor who told you 
to basically just don't market, don't promote, don't do any of that, I would be willing to guess. And I don't know who that was, but I had to believe that people give advice and they're adamant about giving advice on things that they have found successful. So maybe that person was a success, maybe not. I'm not sure you know better than I do. But it also shows that success for one isn't right. success for all because you can get some advice from somebody and then realize it doesn't work for you or your stage of life or what it is that you're doing. I'm curious, when you went back into your podiatry practice, was that before or after you had grown that to one of the top 3% of practices in the nation? Because I do know that about your story. Yes, yeah, yeah. So the one that I built now is in the top 3%. Back then, it was really large when I sold it, but it was not at the level that it's at now. So this one, like that one was built with me, like sleeves rolled up in there with the associates. This one's been built up through putting systems and stuff like that. But I want to go back to what you said. So a couple of things. One, the gentleman that I'm talking about was not overly successful, but was relatively successful. But also, here's the thing. The environment that he grew up in was a different environment than the one I was growing up in, right? The insurance companies hadn't come in. The bureaucracies hadn't come in. So he grew up in a point where, like I right, said, right, where right. I thought it was like to be a doc doctor, where you put your shingle out and people show up and you do your best for them. So what happened is the environment had become more difficult. And so he was trying, he wasn't trying to give me bad advice. That was the advice. Like you said, it worked for him. But unfortunately, as the environments get more dangerous, if you would, your knowledge has got to be better to survive. I mean, so you've got to change. Yeah, you've got to change with it. Exactly. Yeah. And I see that in my business as well. Also, you know, and I'll tell you one of the biggest lies that I see perpetuating. And the reason that most, this is a little bit of my own opinion on this, but the reason I see most businesses fail is basically on that concept of inadequate PR. And what happens is we grow up with the concept of be humble, right? Like, you know what? Don't talk much about yourself. And listen, on a personal level, I do give a lot to charity. I don't talk about it at all. Okay. That's me personally being humble. Okay. But when we're talking about business at this point, okay, I'm going to tell you what a great podiatrist I am. I'm going to share success stories with you. I'm going to market like crazy because that's what I found is survival. And I know my purpose. My purpose is to help as many people with their foot problems as possible. And it, it, then it puts the onus on me to meet as many people as possible and let them know what a great job we do. And I think that's where a lot of businesses fail. They think that humbleness is part of being successful and it's not. Well, yeah. And that's exactly the point that I took away from that is, Dan, I'm in a different generation by a little bit than you are. I'm in my mid thirties and uh, you're early fifties, 54, almost mid fifties there. So it's a little bit of different times, I would say by a little bit. But when it comes to business, as you mentioned, we all have to be on that change or that wave of change. And this is one of those interesting ones because for so many people, especially down here in the South. I know it's a little bit different with uh, trends depending on where you are in the world or even where you are in the, the U.S. I mean, New Jersey and Texas, those are like two different worlds <laughs> altogether sometimes. A little bit, a little bit. Trends and changes and things like that. But I would think the, the humility trait most people, myself included, would say that adequate PR, which is different than what you just said. I would have said adequate PR is you do such a great job that you never have to go around and talk about anything that you do. And I know a lot of business owners who live by that model, young and old, down here in the South and probably all over the nation as well with people that I know. But I think today's time is different. I think especially with the, you know, go take it all the way down to the millennial generation, social media, all of the different things that are going on today with this wave of change of just technology in the sense of social media, Facebook Live, all of the ways people are marketing nowadays is so different that you almost have to 
have good deeds well publicized or you'll almost just get forgotten about out there, in my opinion. And I don't think that that's not being having a, a sense of humility about yourself. I think it's or maybe like a better words, it's play in the game. In the business world, you have to play the game of whatever trends and changes and market development and PR and all of that is going on if you really want to succeed. And I think that that's what's happening today is that the adequate PR today, just as you mentioned, is good deeds, well publicized. I never would have thought about it that way unless you had mentioned it that way. And also that success for one is not success for all, especially if you're coming from a different time, as you mentioned. Not that we can't learn from those people a tremendous amount. Right. No, absolutely. But just as far as how you're going to set your own course of success, there are some things, some takeaways, some learning from that. But then also, as you said, that was probably a really big uh, downfall for your mindset and your practice back then to not promote and not market until you finally figured that out. Oh, it was. I mean, and, you know, it's sometimes when somebody tells you the truth, right, it's funny, like it just cuts through, you know, you just go, oh, my God, that's exactly what it was. And that was the reaction I had, you know, all it was here. Like I said, I'd been searching for years to figure out why I wasn't doing well back then. And then somebody just points it out in a second. And all of a sudden your whole life just changes direction. And so, you know, the one thing that that also taught me is to really search out mentors that had really done or achieved what I was looking to achieve. You know what I mean? Like not just listen, not just take advice from everybody because believe me, everybody's got advice, but oh, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean it's good advice, you know, but so you really want to look at the actions and the accomplishments of people. And if those fit what you're trying to do, then yes, then, then I would absolutely take their advice and test it, you know? And like I said, we graph everything. So when we do change things, we're looking at it very carefully to see the kind of reactions that our business responds to with it. That's great. And, you know, you mentioned your love for entrepreneurs, you know, way back in the day, even as you were doing your first round of podiatry uh, business building, you said, look, I got a love for entrepreneurs and, and really teaching people how to do, you know, those things to where you almost just got away from the podiatry altogether and then had that realization of, hey, I'm out of it and I really miss it and I want to go back into it. I think for so many people out there, and you and I were talking about this a little bit offline, my experience has been that I absolutely love what I do. It's been an absolute blessing being an advisor. It's been an absolutely wonderful for our family on so many levels. The clients that I've met and been able to work with, the great schedule that I'm able to set for myself now that I have kids of my own and the advisors here that I get to coach. There are just so many things. I could go on and on all day. Sure. But you think about it and you go, okay, I'm doing this thing that, I, that I'm passionate about or that I love that I'm excited about. And for someone my age, it's like, okay, for the next 30, 35 years... Am I going to have that same excitement? I think you have to. And I'm a, I'm a living version of this. And I'm glad I figured it out at a young age, just as it sounds like you did as well back then. Yes. You have to find your passions that you can go uh, wide on and do a lot of different things with excitement and do them well. And that doesn't lead to burnout. It doesn't lead to overwork if you're doing it the right way and you're, you're scheduling it out and managing it the right way. As, as you said earlier, you had 60 hours a week that you were working and there was so much time that you weren't utilizing. There's way more time in our days than what we realize. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you realize you had this love for coaching people and then you realize you had, you know, revival of the podiatry excitement there. And so you started doing both at that time. So I would love to know, just to fill in the gaps for our listeners, how are you teaching people today to move past what they're trying to accomplish and move on to the new ventures that they've never been in? Or, you know, also where did the fast tracking your prosperity, where did that idea come from? to really get you to this point where you said now, you know, we've got 27 trends, we track all of these trends. Tell our listeners what you're really talking about and what your focus is on nowadays with the new ventures you have going. Sure. So again, like what I said previously, like one of the things I realized to keep me from boredom is to always create bigger games. The minute I feel like 
All right, you know what? I've really won that, okay? I know to prevent myself from crashing that again, and I just create another bigger game. So for me, I love working with entrepreneurs, and what we did is we started Effective Management, and it's basically a consulting company, and I love doing that, but I also found that what I was doing with that was the same thing that was happening with podiatry, where I was working all the time, right? So I would go out to a client, I'd work with them from eight in the morning till seven at night, and I said, you know, I'm now again violating all the things I'm teaching people. And so what we did is over the many years of my, whatever, 15 years consulting, 16 years, we turned those into videos and we actually turned them into video courses. So now I can actually, we have over 400 companies that they and their staff are on our video training series, right? So that allowed me to not have to be running around like a maniac and run the podiatry practice and do that. And all of a sudden I created again more free time. And I said, okay, well, I got more free time. What am I going to do to, like, what would get me excited? And one of the things that I've found over the years, which has just always bothered me, is as much money is being spent in medicine and health, I find that people are getting sicker and sicker. And, yeah. you know, patients are coming to me with all these things with cancer. They're asking me questions that I couldn't answer, right? And that I really thought should be answered earlier on in the, like by, you know, by their medical doctors, but they weren't getting those answers. And so we, I decided to start a podcast called Take Back Your Health Now, where we're interviewing some of the leaders in the healthcare professions and things to really search for what we call the holy grail of health. And it's been so cool, Jared. I mean, it's been like, you get to interview the top people in the country. I mean, I, I had uh, Jack LaLanne's son, John Lane on the other day. I mean, it was just cool. Oh, really? You know, I, I grew up with Jack Lane, so like getting to talk to his son was just awesome. And so anyway, it was just, it's just creating more and more games. And that keeps my energy going. And I don't really know what the next game is. You know, I've, I, I, I wrote, you asked me about fast tracking your prosperity. My daughter's eight years old now. I was older when she was born. And uh, hopefully I'll be here a long time. But if for some reason I'm not, I wanted her to understand my viewpoint. And so over the years, I've seen people do things right, and I've seen them do things wrong. And I wanted a clear and concise way of her to look at, you know, so when she gets older, she can look at that and she can do the right things. And that was really the genesis for that book. What is that book? As, as we steer people toward that book, what does it really speak to? And you, know, you created it for her, but then you started realizing, I think your story is you started realizing that, you know, you had a book that could really help so many after you compiled that for her. Tell us about how it actually became an, a book versus just I'm writing it for her. Right. Originally, it became a list of things that I wanted her to know about people. And it was roughly about 20 different things, you know. And uh, as I started compiling it, I was talking to a patient of mine who's a, I can't tell you who they are, but they're a fairly famous author. And I was telling him about, you know, I put this list together and he said, Dan, why don't you turn it into a book? And you know what? And this was, just to be clear, this was a list of just general things in life, life lessons that you wanted her to know from dad, right? Is Absolutely. That, I and I started, I, I started writing it before she was even around. I actually had started writing it just knowing that one day I would have kids. And I was so alarmed at what I saw people do wrong, including myself, this concept of, you know, like crashing things to replay them again. Like I wish somebody, you know, I wish my grandparents had shared their secrets. I mean, you know, just... There's so much in life that you go through, like what a waste it is to not be able to pass. You know, we talk about just passing wealth down to our uh, future generations. There's so much wealth and knowledge, right? Like, could you imagine if your grandparents and their, their grandparents had written down everything that they saw people do right and wrong? You know what I mean? That would be a treasure trove. So oh, absolutely. That's, that was really what, what started it. 
Dan, I'm just thinking as we're talking here, because, you know, this is totally off the cuff. I haven't scripted this. I hope it comes out the way that I have it in my mind here. People who know me well know that I have a wiring and a love for just back in the simpler days, back in the colonial days, back in days where there wasn't any electricity, no television. You know, things were great back then until you had a toothache or something, right? So I don't <laughs> want to make I don't want to make it sound like it was roses, but I think the reason I said this just the other day, I've never understood why I'm so wired to the colonial days, why I read about the the revolutionary guys, George Washington, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I was back in DC just the other day and I just eat that stuff up. We've got a family farm. That's that's awesome. We've got a family farmhouse I had the chance to buy last year that my great-grandfather, grandfather, and dad all spent time in. My dad was born and raised there, so I've got that land now. I'm actually taking my daughter, my three-year-old, up there this weekend for kind of a daddy-daughter date for the first time wow. ever. So you wow. can relate to that, having a younger daughter there. But but it's just, it's neat to me. There's no electricity. There, I mean, there's electricity. There's no internet. There's no TV. It's just, you get back to the basics. You have candles at yep. night sometimes when you're reading. You know, those sort of just really cool things. And I've always thought... This is kind of weird in a way, like, why am I so tied to this? And I think as I get older, it comes down to just the fact that we are living today in a way in the business world that we were never meant to live. All the burnout, all the fatigue, all the sickness you just talked about, all the stress, all the anxiety. This is not what those guys came over and had a vision for opportunity, right? right. It, if you could bring them back from the dead today and say, look, this is what America is. I mean, I, I think they'd be like, what in the world did we, <laughs> did we fight yeah, for, you know, yeah. all this stuff. So, so all that kind of tangent there to say is that really what you're doing and no one can say that you're more right than anybody else, as far as what you're doing on your venture and your career path and all of these things and creating all this stuff. But I think what you're doing today at your age, finding the excitement, trying to stay sharp and trying to learn, trying to not get bored there are just so many people out there your age, and I coach them, and I've got them as clients to where they hit this point, especially as a guy, as a male, where they say, I thought life would be different. I thought yep. business would be different. I'm older. I'm burnout. I'm negative. I'm pessimistic. I'm sick in some cases, and I just don't have any energy to do the things that I once thought I was going to accomplish. And here you are, 54 years old. I mean, who knows what's on the future for you, right? Because you're taking it, you know, cliche phrase, bull by the horns. You're taking that and saying, hey, there's a lot of life left to live. Who knows what I'm going to do, but I'm going to find a new game with excitement, with all of these things. And so that's just awesome. Jared, thank you. I, I Just to go to your point, I, about a year ago, a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a while was having his 50th birthday. And we met in New York City and I took him out to lunch and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, congratulations, man. How does it feel to be 50 years old? And he said, you know, Dan, like, like most men, he goes, you, you reach the point where now you realize you're never really going to accomplish the things that you were set out to do. And, you know, the dreams that you had as a kid, they're pretty much gone. So, you know, I'm pretty much resolved to that. And I looked yeah. at that, you know, and I, I got to tell you, Jared, I, not just, I guess, because I got beat up so early on in the game or whatever that I, and I rebounded from it. I'm so far removed from that. I mean, I understand it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not me. And I. I stepped back for it. And I actually felt very bad for him. But at the same token, I was like, wow, did I really get that far removed from that viewpoint? You know, so I'm proud of that. I'm just proud that I'm, you know, and the other part of it is too, it is a viewpoint, by the way. Like anybody, I don't care if you're depressed or you're what, you know what? You can change. You're not stuck in that. You don't, you, you create your own life. You really create your own viewpoint. And it's sometimes it's like working out. Like if you don't work out, Every day and you fall out of it, you stop getting used to it. But if you just every day you wake up and you go, what? It's going to be a great day. 
and you do that for three months, a funny thing happens. It starts becoming a great day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is awesome. Before we wrap up the podcast here and steer more listeners your way and tell them how we can get more uh, in touch with you and connected with you, tell me for the entrepreneur out there, or even not an entrepreneur, somebody that, that doesn't even own their own business, but just someone who is, you know, anywhere from the ages of, let's say my age, 35 to somewhere just a little south of the age of 60, maybe. Let's just kind of keep it in that parameters for the people listening in. The person who hears this and goes, hey, that's that's great for that Dan guy. That's awesome. It sounds like he hit a good streak there where he found a few things that really energized him and he used that to catapult him into a couple other things that he's really rocking now. But that's not me. Like, he doesn't know my story. I have been a little beaten down. I have realized that what I thought is a young professional, just those things are not going to come true. And I didn't accomplish a lot of things. Hopefully they're hearing you say loud and clear that you can change, right? What would you say today, though, to give that person young or old? Because I'll tell you, I'm very fortunate. I've said this many times. I'm very fortunate that I hit a real fatigue and burnout and lack of passion stage and really recognized that at a, at a young age, at 33 years old, because sure. it really set the course for so many other good things in my life. What would you tell that individual at any stage, though, who thinks I'm probably not going to be able to accomplish a lot of things or... Or I just don't know even know where to go, where to start to get that excitement. You know, it's you're on a podcast, right? So you sound so brilliant, right? Like I'm on this. Oh my God, this guy's unbelievable. He this. Listen, I've had my teeth kicked in. I mean, that wasn't the only time I got beat up. You know what I mean? It's just it's life. It's life. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm not smarter than these other people. I'm not. All I just did is I just made a decision that this is going to be a great life. That's what I made the decision. This is going to be a great life. Whatever it takes, I'm not, whatever punches I take, whatever, I'm not going to let those define me. What I'm going to let define me is the great things about my day and the great things about my life. Doesn't mean I don't have bad days, Jared. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, when you wake up and you go, you know what? I'm still here, man, and I'm going to set a bigger goal. And I'll tell you the biggest mistake, and I think the reason that people do sort of burn out is they never set big enough goals. They set their goals too Absolutely. Low, I know? totally agree with that, 100%. Yeah. So, and and I, some of that's just kind of new for me learning that too. After you go through something like it sounds like you did and the, the story that I have, you, you really wake up to that. Whereas before that, you might be on a little bit of autopilot. You're not too uncomfortable to make a change. It hasn't become urgent yet. It's just important. And there's nothing really stretching you, but you really get clarity on that. You really say, look, what am I really, what am I really living for? And, and, right. and do I really want to live like this from now on? And so that's just great. And Jared, can I say one other thing that really has always stuck with me? Years ago, I learned this, okay? You gotta really surround yourself with more positive people, right? Like you gotta make sure that, you know, even sometimes family and loved ones, if you don't feel good around that person, if for whatever reason, you know, you try to separate a little bit from them. You don't uh, submerge yourself in them. And just because somebody is angry with you is not a reason for you to be angry with yourself. And I really think that's an important point because I've seen so many people that you know, like there's somebody angry with them and it defines who they are for themselves. And it's not okay. You know what I mean? Like we all make mistakes. We all do. But just because somebody's angry with you doesn't mean you have to be beating yourself up. So anyway. Oh, absolutely. That's such great advice. Such great advice. So thank you so much for coming on the Success 101 podcast and just showing us all that uh, it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter how much you have left in the bank account. It doesn't even matter how old you are. You can find that excitement if you really choose to wake up that way each day. And uh, and I'm grateful for that message because it's, you know, it's obviously going to help all of us. Uh, your quote just then or your phrase just then about just because somebody else is angry with you or you're angry with somebody else doesn't mean you have to be angry with yourself. 
just this morning. I kid you not. Just this morning, I saw a quote from Marcus Aurelius, and I'll just I'll read a, a small part of it here. And sure. it said, it, "It said it never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinion than our own." <laughs> you know, when it comes to us, it's like we just naturally, just in our state, just as as humans, you know, we're we're going to take care of ourselves. Nobody's not going to take care of themselves, right? We're going to take care of ourselves, number one, but. At the end of the day, we care so much more about what other people say about us versus looking at ourselves and the care that we have for ourselves. So, and I think you can do that without uh, portraying a non, you know, not being into outside of a humility state. And that's what the great ones do. They're extremely humble, but they're always improving on themselves and they don't let the negativity around them get them down. They just keep moving through it. So, Man, thanks so much for your message today. How can we find more about you out there in uh, social media or on your website? Where should we direct people on the show notes and all of that to get over to you? Sure. If they would go to Dr. Dan Speaks, and that's D-R, Dan, D-A-N, Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. They can actually get in touch with me. They can download a, a free copy of my book, and you can listen to some of our podcasts. Dan Margolin, thanks so much for spending some time here today. I know you're a busy guy, so we appreciate your knowledge and uh, look forward to your continued success out there. Jared, thanks so much for having me on, sir. I really appreciate it. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. I loved having Dr. Dan Margolin on the podcast today and hope you took a ton away, just as I did, from our conversation If you guys would like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is by email. You can send my team and I an email to info at success101podcast.com or catch me in the world of social media on the Success 101 Podcast Facebook page or over on Instagram under the name at Success 101 Podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of the Success 101 Podcast. Until then. 